0: Welcome to episode number 14 on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast features interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell us their story and the life lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver, and I'm your host for the show. I'm a filmmaker, entrepreneur, storyteller, and if you're into collecting interesting or odd things that may be considered ordinary, you'll love the show. A few years ago, I met Leland Carlson. He's the founder of the internationally known Doll Men's Club. His Facebook group has more than 30,000 followers, and he's been featured in an award-winning short film and has made appearances on British TV shows, radio programs, and tons of newspaper articles have been written about him and the dull men who appear in his book and on his calendars. This interview is a bit different than some of my other interviews. There's very little editing. It just goes on. I just wanted to put this on the timeline and let it run and you may hear some language you don't normally hear on the my story podcast so be warned leland is a fascinating guy and i think you'll love this meandering conversation i had with him recently but first a word from our sponsor furnace hills coffee furnace hills coffee company roasts amazing coffee they have a great story too i'll tell you once you drink a cup of coffee from furnace hills i promise you'll never want coffee from the big name brands again why? Their beans are sourced directly from great farmers and it's roasted fresh. You order it today and you'll get coffee beans that have been roasted this week, maybe even the same day that it's shipped to your door. The other cool thing about Furnace Hills Coffee Company that I love is their mission is to employ people with developmental disabilities. Their chief roaster is Erin. She has Down syndrome and even has a coffee blend named after her. And just for the My Story podcast listeners, when you order from FurnaceHillsCoffee.com, use the coupon code MYSTORY, all one word, and get 25% off your order. Check it out. It's special coffee roasted by special people. FurnaceHillsCoffee.com. And now here's my conversation with Leland Carlson. So tell me a little bit, Leland, where you come from.
1: Uh, Where do I come from? Yeah,
0: so you you grew up in Nebraska?
1: I did. Well, I was born in California. Actually, my background is Swedish-American. And my family say, what are you doing in Nebraska? I thought Swedes, I went to Minnesota. Hmm. So I say, my people came a little bit late. Minnesota was full, so they kept... (laughs) So anyway, they homesteaded in Nebraska. And there were a family with seven boys, and... Half of the boys, or three and a half, some of the boys went on to a few decades later, generally, they moved to California. So my grandfather moved to California and they replicated the Swedish colony that was in Nebraska in the Central Valley of California. Are you familiar with mm-hmm. Turlock, my that mm-hmm. area? Yes. There's a town called Hillmar there that's okay. a Hillmar cheese factory. Hmm. That's a Swedish okay. ghetto, I call it. So I was. That's where I was born, in that area. Okay. But then my father decided to do a reverse migration, go back to Nebraska, uh-huh. where he was born, take some of the land and farm it, and he got into banking there. So okay. I grew up in that little town. But we'd always go to California, and I went to graduate school out there and all that. So, I
0: said, how would you get from a, a farming community of Nebraska to be a big-time lawyer?
1: I'm a big-time lawyer. <laughs> I went to school at the University of Colorado, junior year in Vienna, junior year abroad in Vienna, and then went to law school in Stanford. And then I had a Rotary Foundation Fellowship to Singapore and it brought me around the world. I passed through New York heading back to California, but I ran into classmates in New York. And I thought, Geez, this is kind of nice. I think I'll see if I can get a job here for a year or so and just hang out. I ended up staying there 25 years. No so, kidding. So that's where I was then. And then at the end, kind of towards the end of my career, I got transferred to London. Hmm. And then I retired there, and I, I haven't gone back. But mm-hmm. so now I got things I'm doing in England, and uh, I mean, so
0: I, you're just a global traveler, then.
1: I do go back and forth three, four, five, six times a year. Uh, so I mean, I'm gonna have to slow down. You know, can't keep this up forever as you get older, and uh, and it gets a little bit expensive. So I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to monetize this crazy thing. It's hard, isn't it? To, uh...
0: So what? tell me a little bit about, so what was the origins for the dull Men's Club?
1: Well, we were sitting in this bar at the New York Athletic was just up there this weekend, stayed again. A- anyway, we're sitting at the bar, and they got a monthly magazine that comes out. And we were flipping through the magazine, and within the magazine, there are clubs within a club. There's a judo club, a wrestling club, a boxing club. Mm-hmm. One of the guys said, gee, we don't do any of that kind of stuff. Another one said, "Yeah, we're kind of dull." So I said, "Hey, why don't we start a club for dull?" <laughs> and I talked to the editor of the magazine. That was a great idea. He had a very good sense of humor. So we started a club within the club. With that, turned out the president th- didn't think it was funny at all. Uh, you know, he, 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 some people don't get it, and right. others do. Uh,
0: so this elite club in Manhattan. You guys wanted to be the dull man, right?
1: Yeah, well, we used to theoretically get together at the New York Athletic Club. We didn't really, we'd get together maybe at the bar, but we claimed we had a meeting room with 17 people. We had 17 members because that that was the number of chairs in the room. (laughs) And uh, we'd do things like, uh, uh, we'd have these bus tours. We'd charter a bus and park it out in front of Central Park South, and we have a bus tour. We'd we'd tour the bus. We'd walk around the outside of the bus several (laughs) times.
0: (laughs) <laughs> so you didn't get on the bus you walked around no the no bus. no what <laughs> once we walked around it
1: three times the he'd open the door and we could walk all the way to the back of the bus
0: <laughs>
1: and then we well, so down. how many
0: people would come to this bus tour <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we didn't really do it it's just a joke and then they've got six <laughs> elevators we'd race them to see which one's the fastest <laughs> i laughed when i walked in and saw those elevators now and to this day when i go into the club i go to the swimming pool area and there's an uh, there were two Irish brothers who were attendants there. One's retired now. Irish immigrant, Americans now, of course. And they, my pen name is Grover Click. Have you seen that name in any of this mm-hmm, stuff? Mm-hmm. Hey, Grover, they recognize. And one <laughs> of the porters still there hey, when I, Grover, good to see you back here. <laughs> uh,
0: so, so this that, kind of took off then, right?
1: Well, very slowly. This is back in the mid '80s. I hate okay. to say that long ago. Then I moved to Washington, and it kind of picked up at the University Club. They had a skit there one time, and I had a role in it. And I did some things there, and but it wasn't. We didn't. It wasn't a lot. It was just, and then the internet. And then I moved over to England, and and uh, a nephew of mine said, "This was in the mid '90s, 1996." And nephew said, "Uncle Lee, if you buy me front page 95." Uh, For my Windows computer, I can do a website for the Silly Dullman's Club. So we did, and there weren't many websites back Mm. then. We kind of stood out, Mm -hmm. and I got some attention there. I had a little six-week gig on something called Radio 5 Live, a BBC thing, and a few other things. Uh, And then the film, uh, I had a book deal, and it fell fell through another book deal, and it never really kind of took off, but then Andy... Oxley, the filmmaker in the Born to Me Mile, emailed me and I met with him and uh, uh, lived on a houseboat. I'm like, have you been to London? There's mm-hmm. a little Venice. He lives on okay. a houseboat. And we met at a little coffee shop overlooking the canal, and uh, we made some videos, I put them on YouTube. And then he got together with a buddy and we put this film to, the film together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I got into it on that video consortium, but I meant to uh, tell these young filmmakers because I've been to a lot of screenings, uh, uh, and the Q and A afterwards. A lot of the films, we, in addition to, I think I told you this on the phone. That, no, no, I was telling a guy in North Carolina. Called, there's a, there's some local dolphins groups, and I and uh, I was telling him that I see all these f- credits on films, and they got makeup artists and. Uh, mm-hmm best boys and gaffers and equipment. I said, shit, Andy did it with one Panasonic camera, a GH5, and a buddy of his. Together they owned one camera, and, and Andy's girlfriend, now his wife. Uh, and it was, and Andy, I, I don't know if the lady mentioned that in the video consortium, because she had some exchanges with Andy. She maybe read it off before the camera started rolling. Uh, his budget, they spent 500 pounds on it, $700. It took him wow. a year.
0: Okay. And, and he kind of uh, followed you around to. No, well, what we did, I filmed him.
1: I went with them. They they followed me around, or they and I, we went. We met the milk bottle guy, this rock uh, brick collector, the roundabout guy. We made a couple of trips and filmed them. Okay. Uh, and you know, with just one camera, some of the guys being filmed got a little annoyed because they wanted they'd film from the back and then they move up to the front and do it all over again. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. So, uh, so this film was called born, born to be, be mild. mild. And when did it come out? It was in film festivals, 2014, 2015. Okay. That's about when you and I met,
1: I met you at the film festival. yeah, AFI. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so the guys in your club and guys and maybe some associate ladies now, right. Uh, they're, they have interesting hobbies, right? Yeah, interesting hobbies, unique, I suppose a
1: gentle term to call them unique interests or you could call them quirky passions. Hmm. They kind of stand out. Each one is kind of a story on their own, something unique. Like for example here, I've lined up some people in America. There's a guy out in, uh, in uh, uh, Colorado north of Denver in a town called Eaton on a farm. He's retired from uh, being an engineering professor uh, at the University of North Colorado. Well, they got a lot, Colorado Northern. Well, they all upgrade their names. It mm-hmm. used to be Colorado State Teachers College at Greeley. Now it's whatever it is, some-
0: Yeah, Northern Colorado University or something, something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, he retired and uh, he they bought a motorhome to go back east to eat lobster in Massachusetts. And on the way, they stopped at an auction of a cousin auction in Iowa, and he ended up with an old laundry machine. And by the time they got to Massachusetts, they had five. <laughs> so they uh, the wife got concerned about them on the top of the trailer house that so she had him buy a trailer. Well, the RVs, so they had him buy a trailer. By the time they got back to Colorado, they had to swap that trailer for a bigger one because <laughs> they had 30.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And he's now restored 1,100 of them. Wow. Two big buildings, and uh, he was on CBS Sunday morning a couple of months ago.
0: So these are old, like the Ringer type washing machines? Well, everything. Sort of everything.
1: Okay. Uh, a, a group, and uh, you could maybe make another film with him. A group out of one of the schools in Colorado, uh, Colorado the school in Fort Collins, whatever it is, mm-hmm. had a film. They made a movie of him, and they, his. Shed is barns full of them. Is not they're not. I think it's a thirteen thousand square feet. Wow. They're not arranged chronologically, but the film did it. They start with the old manual, a washboard and stompers, Hmm. and he comes right up to the first Bendix automatic. But he's got some unique ones. One of which is, uh, uh, and and he wrote a book, and it's kind of liberating women. Hmm. Again, women were just thought of doing the laundry. Mm -hmm. Well. He's freed him up with these machines to do it. And one of them, the lady could just sit in a rocking chair and rock, and it would...
0: <laughs>
1: and another was a treadmill. You could put a dog or a goat on
0: it, and it would turn the stuff. So this guy is kind of... He's the American version of a lot of the, the English guys you have in your yeah. book. Yeah. Well,
1: there's a golf ball collector up north here hmm. in York, Pennsylvania, I'd like to interview. Uh, there's a guy in... DC collects harmonica cases. That's a little weird. That's that is weird. A little too weird. Like, really. not
0: the harmonicas, just the cases.
1: Yeah. And we have them kind of custom made for him with the initials. That doesn't quite excite me that much. There's a guy over in Virginia, Arlington, I think, or Alexandria. He's visited every uh, grave of American presidents, all 50. Wow. And uh, so, how do you find these people? Well, a lot of them, uh, word of mouth. Like, for example, our film showed in Durango uh, Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And there I ran into a guy I'd met, got uh, somebody there. So I kind of like this arts and crafts style furniture. So I'd been to an arts and crafts and weekend event in Denver. And there's a guy there from New Mexico exhibiting Navajo Indian rugs. And he it was an interesting lecture. And he'd, he'd throw them up in the air and throw them around like, a pizza guy used to do with Anyway, so I, he, the opening party was at an art gallery, and he owned it. So I was talking with him, and he loved the book and the, heard about the film. But he said, there's a guy over the border that's got a gas pump museum over in New Mexico. So I went down and met that guy and filmed him. And then he knew a guy that was a barbed wire collector <sighs> south of Santa Fe.
0: So one leads to the
1: other. Yeah. And then he knew a lady that got into this calendar, because there's six ladies in the calendar, a lady that collects barbed wire in England. Yeah. Well, you got to meet Jackie Smith. Turns out she's not that far from me in England. Uh. So I met her, and uh, she's mentioned in that uh, film with the Judge Rinder thing.
0: So you start the Doll Man's Club, and uh, how do you initially get people to join your club? Well, uh, you know, we have
1: 33,000 members now on Facebook. Wow. Group. That, that's pretty good, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's really good. Uh, word of mouth, really. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another dimension to it. About 15 years ago or so, I got an email or a phone call from a lady in Pembroke, Massachusetts, saying that they've had two guys that come to their senior, she, Ducker was a senior citizen center. they got two guys that come to their uh, center, and they've lost their wives. Hmm. They'd like to have a weekly get together for them. And there are probably other men in a similar situation. And we don't want to call it a great grievance society, <laughs> men's grievance club. And we've come across your website. What do you call it the dull men's club. I said, yeah, sure. Can you use your logo? Yeah, sure. So it kind of took off. And, uh,
0: so they're kind of like the new England chapter. Well,
1: or... <laughs> it's growing. There are about six or eight up there now. Okay. And the Wall Street Journal did it. You know, the Wall Street Journal does a front page thing, particularly on a Friday. Kind of a weird thing. Hmm. What happened is the Wall Street Journal had an editorial meeting in Boston. I guess all the local offices on a Monday, they had a chat. Well, we're going to do this upcoming week. Somebody brought up a topic. Somebody else said, God, that'd be about as exciting as writing about that Dolman's Club down in Pembroke. Hmm. Well, a young lady reporter said, what club is that? Dolman's Club. Oh, I'm interested in that. So she phoned him up. They invited her down. She went to one of their meetings, took notes, went back a week later with a TV crew, made a video. <laughs> and the headline was, Area Man Likes to Do Nothing or what it was. Some is excited about doing very little or something like that. But it went worldwide. So the headings, they never changed the heading. I, I, I don't know why it says Area Man, because you think maybe just for the Boston area. Right. But anyway, so it popped up in the London edition and everything else. And she called me, and there were about seven paragraphs, all the stuff I'm telling you now mm-hmm. about how it began. And, and then now there's a group in Southboro, Northboro, Sterling, you know, and there's one over the border in New Hampshire. And I went to the Pember group one time, and CBS Boston was down there filming them that day. And they introduced them to me, and they could give a shit about me, which was just fine. I didn't want to be this. <laughs> I wanted them to be the film of these guys. And, uh, and it was fine. And, uh, and then last July went the, they had a, they all got together in Southboro at a senior center, had a picnic mm-hmm. and uh, they had bocce and hot hamburgers, hot dogs, mm-hmm. and great group of guys. And, uh, and, and then another one popped up in North Carolina, a guy there was in Grenada and he ran into a group called a Dolman's club. It's kind of a drinking club. And he looked into it and he's got a group going there in North Carolina. They meet, they're, they're a younger crowd and, and they meet at a coffee shop on Friday for lunch. And they do very, I called him today because he and I had a chat. I said, what is it guys like about doing this thing? And what it is, is. They've all belonged to Rotary and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But there's hierarchies and rules and rituals and a bureaucracy. Sure. And he said, we just get tired of them trying to keep raising money, get us to get more. And they siphon it off these charities. We don't give a shit about those charities, you know. <laughs> we don't want to have to sing songs and all that. Right. So they just get together and you kind of want to say, shoot the shit or chat <laughs> about stuff. And he said they got any, they, they've got they had a couple of excursions. they got ones coming up. They're going to go to the neighboring county and the county has a museum. They would have it is 200 feet square. <laughs> and then they're, they're, they're gonna they're going to climb the highest hill in that county. Part of the county is six feet higher than the rest of it.
0: <laughs> so these are the types of clubs or people that you have in your club, in your doll men's club. Yeah. So how'd the, how'd the book come about?
1: Well, we, we did the film, and one of the guys in the film, and Kevin Beresford with the Roundabout Appreciation Society.
0: Wait a minute, his the Roundabout Appreciation Society. Explain that.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, he founded it. So you, can, he loves
0: roundabouts. He's it. He's in the like film. the motorway roundabouts. Oh, here you, well, you call them
1: rotaries here, maybe.
0: We call traffic them roundabouts. Circles. Yeah, yeah, traffic circles. Yeah.
1: He's obsessed with them. He loves them. <laughs> he thinks they're great. And yeah,
0: yeah,
1: you, you, you know. Well, I can meet you again if we want to look at some of these films and you get a little more background, but he, uh, in the film, he says, uh, you know, the article's about us talk about long suffering wives. They're not long suffering. Most of them aren't. Uh, They're just suffering. Long suffering. (laughs) The the milk, he says, I don't mind Steve with his milk bottle collection. At least I know where he is. He's down Mm -hmm. at his shed. He's not up at some bar chasing some bimbo or whatever. Mm -hmm. But Kevin says in the film, my first wife left me. He said, "That's all right. I had all the time in the world now to look at roundabouts." <laughs> oh
0: my goodness!
1: And he describes them. He's got one with a, a st- statue in it, and a cockerel or something like that, and and he talks about the various ones. And
0: uh, I remember uh, you telling me a story about a guy who who looks for phone booths. Is, is it phone booths?
1: No, uh, well, boxes? how about drain, drain spotter? Drain, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. He, uh, I saw him uh, uh, recently. He's up in Cumbria. Uh, he he's retired from shipbuilding. And he's got a part-time job maintaining the road. They call them verges, the green area alongside roads. Mm-hmm. And the we call them barrel pits or something mm-hmm. like that to trim it, and mm-hmm. and, he, and there are all these drains, and he. Mm-hmm. And they're all made, they got lo, made by local foundries years mm-hmm. ago, the foundries names on them. A lot of them aren't working, plugged up, so he prys them loose, cleans them off, oils them and puts them back down. He said, now they're good for another 50 years. <laughs> Calls himself <laughs> a drain spotter. <laughs> and that's a real public service. Yeah, you know? sure,
0: sure. Another, so
1: what, what's your thing? You, you have a... Well, you know, this is interesting. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, or it's kind of a new direction I'm going, and uh, uh, I uh, I put down park benches. I love park benches anywhere in the world. Just go and mm. sit and and uh, enjoy yourself. Uh, but then I meet these guys, and I you know I'm not nearly as into park benches as these guys are about their hobbies. Park benches don't turn me on as much as milk bottles turn Steve Wheeler on. Mm. Steve Wheeler says, "Oh, I just." love the tactile feel of these bottles. I just love glass." He kind of hugs the bottle. He said, you know, I don't even like milk. (laughs) So I said, what is it makes me, gives me a thrill, gives me an excitement. Uh, And it's it's finding another person to interview and write about for a book Mm. or calendar or a quirky museum, Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Steve Wheeler, the milk bottle guy says, you know, if I." read about another dairy closing down. I'm off, he goes and gets their milk bottles. Wow. Another guy collects, uh, of the 40 guys in the book, 38 are computer literate, but two aren't. One of those two lives in Yorkshire and he collects lawnmowers, repairs. Hmm. And so he's he got s- a
0: shed full of lawnmowers? No, So he's got a shed full of lawnmowers? Well,
1: he's got a shed and, and he says, you know, my wife is really, she's not long-suffering. She's really cooperative. She lets me keep three in the living room all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he rotates a minute out of the living
0: room. Oh, my goodness. Now there's another guy that, that collects bricks.
1: Yeah, Neil Brittlebank, yeah. All mm-hmm. right.
0: And you've made friends with all these people.
1: Well, yeah. Now, it's interesting. The filmmaker, they just kind of want to shoot and run. Mm-hmm. I've kind of cultivated a. Friendship with them, mm-hmm. and and I'm kind of a talent agent in a way, in a way because TV and radio they want to interview these people, mm-hmm. and so they call me, and I call them and say, "Is it okay?" And mm-hmm. and uh, one in particular I like to interview is uh, a traffic cone collector. Mm-hmm. He was vice president. Well, he he's got a story. Wikipedia says he he claims to have invented the traffic cone. And he, I think what it is is, I think he came across a process of making him He said it stems when his mother used to make ice cream cones in the kitchen when he was a boy. The cones were there and he kind of took that technology and I I don't quite know Mm -hmm. what the background he did. Anyway, but he's, people like to film him and a French TV crew, have you ever heard of a film called Euro Trash, Mm -hmm. French actor called Antoine Ducone.
0: Mm-mm, no,
1: they were making a film about England and other countries, and they wanted to film him. And he would—he's got five hundred traffic cones. And he says, "Shit, it's a lot of work to take them." But they got to pay me something. <sighs> and they wouldn't—they don't pay anything. So I said, "Well, I won't do it unless I get three hundred pounds." So I told him that. How about two fifty? I told him that. He said, "Okay." So they show up, and he was most impressed at the outset because the producer just took the money out. It was a producer from LA, it came over. I forget his name now. And He just took the money out, handed him a roll of bills and gave him the money. They got more than they expected because he had a lovely setting, a very colorful, typical English farm, a stream coming through it, a fence, horses on the other side of the stream. The other side of the road was a centuries old jousting field. Mm. And they, they did the opening scene for the film with his house. They had me sitting on a park bench. I like park benches, a bench out in front of the house, and the actor comes out of the house, Antoine Ducone, and he, or he walks out and somebody hands him a bowler hat, mm-hmm. they don't wear those things, but anyway, the world thinks it's synonymous with being <laughs> English, so he puts a bowler hat and he comes over, bonjour Leland, and I say bonjour Antoine, then they, we did it again in English, so, uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, I keep in touch with these guys.
0: So where can people see the film? Is it available publicly?
1: It's on Vimeo. It's on Vimeo? I, I, mean, I emailed you a link to it okay. again today.
0: We can and, put it in the comments below and in, in the podcast and make a link to it.
1: Yeah, you can put a link to that and other things. In your and your book
0: and calendar? The book's on Amazon. The book's on Amazon? Yeah. Okay. So the book is called?
1: Uh, Dull Men of Great Britain.
0: Dull Men of Great Britain. Yeah, I've, I've got a copy. It's in my Airbnb room that I rent out. Hopefully, people are reading it when they come visit our yeah, house. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> now the uh, so it, and have you sold out? I mean, have you sold a lot of copies of the book? About twenty thousand, I think, something like wow, that. Wow, twenty thousand. Yeah. Wow. And but you had a calendar too, so the calendar that was sold
1: like... two thousand the first one, so I printed two thousand five hundred for the second one, and I got some left over. Uh, and we that was too. Now I, I've got to get going on. Well, Andy, we're trying to make a pitch to BBC and BBC Wales and some other TV people to have a film made of me going around and putting together the calendar. It's not, we haven't heard, it's not getting off the ground yet.
0: Hmm.
1: So I think I'm going to have to do just a calendar.
0: So the calendar are photos you take of these people or? Yeah,
1: I go around and photograph them and interview them.
0: Yeah, and you have a little bit about their story in the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you've been doing this now for how long?
1: Domen's Club? Yeah. Well, it began in the 80s. So, I mean, it's, I mean, oh, uh, the name Grover Click. Do you know, do you know where that originated from? No, I don't. Well, one of the uh, topics in a way I'm interested in is boredom. <laughs> and boredom, there's not, boredom's not altogether bad. It, there's a professor in, uh, England, up in University of Central Lancashire, they call her Dr. Boredom. And we had an event at her university in May last, or, May, gosh, a year ago almost. And later in May, in about three weeks now, she and I are gonna be at something at at Stanford, Oxford, about boredom. Uh, But boredom can breed creativity. Hmm. The guy behind Dilbert, Scott Adams, Mm -hmm. He credits his creativity to growing up in Idaho, like I grew up in Nebraska. No TV, scratchy radio station, but you make your toy guns out of duct tape, baling wire, and and toothpicks or something. You know, you make you make your own toys. Mm-hmm. And in my little town, we got our weather from Denver, a weatherman Bowman, and it wasn't my like, one of somebody had the idea. I don't think it was me to send him a letter and. Congratulate him on his weather forecast, because people only blame a weatherman. So he'd write him these letters, and, he, oh, another letter from Chal- Hello, And we came up with the name Grover Cook. And again, I don't know exactly how that came about, but there's a barber called Leo Click and a farmer called Grover Cook. So we put the two together. <laughs> <Good and> together.
0: <laughs> so and you Click- became Grover Click. Yeah. Another, hey, another letter from Grover Click. <laughs> and how old were you at that time
1: high school i don't know 16 17 18 yeah. but uh that was pretty funny to have we sit and listen i was going to read out the letter we sent him <laughs> stay tuned well, to the weather well. station so
0: um, boredom and creativity you wouldn't think those two go together
1: well uh you know you can't be creative if you're looking at your freaking phone all the time
0: tell me about it you got to
1: yep. put it down and, and let your mind wander yeah when I was a new movement going on here and that's what I'm working on now uh, and that is uh, there's an you know there's self-help self-improvement movements right I think the guy Tim the last guy you interviewed uh, you grew up with and you knew him in the 90s yeah Tim mm-hmm. he's got some achieving type yep. program well, there's kind of an anti-self-improvement movement. Mm. And it kind of, have you heard of the book, you've heard of the con, Maria Kondo, Life-Changing yeah, Magic yeah, sure. of Have you heard of the parody of a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a <laughs> f-? <laughs> No. And a similar book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. <laughs> they say, don't care about all that shit. And there's kind of a, uh, there are other books. And my eight, I have a literary agent in, uh, in, in, uh, Book came about because the literary agent saw the first calendar, got and he emailed me, and, and then he found a deal with Penguin Random House for the book. He says uh, he told me about this anti-self-improvement movement, and uh, there's a niche there for the life-changing magic of celebrating the ordinary, mm-hmm. of enjoying simple, ordinary things mm-hmm. away from the glitz and glam, you know. And today's. The introduction of the book is written by a psychology teacher in London. You know, today's ills maybe these guys in this book have found a secret to happiness because today's 20th century, 21st century ills, you know, there's pressure to acquire more, mm-hmm. do more, achieve more. I call it moritis. Mm-hmm. You get something, to days later, you want something bigger, grander, mm-hmm. move on to the next big thing. Uh, these guys are happy with their milk bottles, maybe another two milk bottles, uh, and there's so many choices today, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the book called the, uh, uh, I forget, Barry Schwartz is the arth- author, it's about all the choice, well there are many articles about too many choices. Uh, he went out to buy a pair of jeans. When he was a boy, jeans were jeans. Mm-hmm. Now you go in, you're know, semi, high rise, low rise, bell bottom, distressed, semi-distressed, ripped on the Skinny. knees, uh, stone washed, semi-washed, stretchable. Uh-huh. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, and I went to the local pharmacy in Winchester, where I live, and I said, how many kinds of shampoo do you have? I was going to count them. And then I saw a lady with a, a lady pulls sales clerk pulls out a laptop. Oh, 308. Oh, I won't have to count them. How, how about toothpaste? 110. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And it does slowly take time to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, And we're busier than ever. Hmm. And I think it's because with all this technology, with UPS and FedEx and Amazon, we think we can get everything the next day. We think we can be everywhere, be in touch everywhere. Uh, We're just constantly on the go. So you gotta kind of step back and, uh, and slow down. And the tools for doing this have really been around, you know, they date back to Greek and Roman times. You know, Aristotle, I've got a book proposal I'm working on now for this, and one of the, well, actually, he's mentioned in the dull men's book. Socrates, for example, could have been one of the early dull men celebrating the ordinary. He went into a bazaar, walked, somebody saw him walking out of a bazaar, and they said, Socrates, you know, you know Socrates, he, mm-hmm. barefoot, just a rogue, very plain man, simple man. Soccer, days, what the hell are you doing in there? It'd be like walking through coming out of Tyson's Corner. What are you doing in there? That's not your kind of store. Ah, you're right. I'm perfectly happy. I love to walk through there and look at all this magnificent merchandise that I'm perfectly happy without. <laughs> and there's a leading football coach, Alan Shearer in England, won a big Premier League soccer football right. like Premier League football match. Alan, what are you gonna do to celebrate? I gotta go home and finish creosoting the fence. (laughs) So I'm trying to pick up antidotes like that Mm -hmm. to put in there. Mm.
0: I think that kind of points back to a simpler time, right?
1: We can create a simpler time for ourselves right now. Just rule out all this Mm. craziness.
0: I mean, when you have kids, the other morning I, I got up and I was looking out my kitchen window and at the street behind my house, and kids were going to, to the bus, the bus stop, holding their phones like this, walking in front of them, you know, head down, walking to the bus. Everybody. Oddly
1: enough, when I was working in New York City, a guy lived, uh, uh, worked where I did at Mobile Oil, 42nd and Lex. He lived on, up on Park Avenue. He'd walked down to work. Reading the Wall Street Journal the whole way. Had <laughs> you know, you can tell in New Yorker the way they they to fold a newspaper when they're riding on the subway. Mm-hmm. And he would, and you know what his last name was? Ambler.
0: <laughs> he never tripped fit in, right?
1: So that was a, you know, just I was up in I said I was in New York. I took a photo on the subway waiting for a subway train, and there were everybody, every single person was staring at their phone. That's my agent's point, you know. Look up what's around you type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of convey that in a in a book type thing and uh, it may maybe tough to do I don't know to combine the ills of today with these tools which are well my, you know, mindfulness is focusing living mm-hmm. at the in the moment at blinders on just look at, at a single forget multitasking just do one thing at a time mm-hmm. and I, be, grateful for what you have, you know, a gratitude list type thing. Glasses half full, not half empty. And maybe a cartoon, they're saying, probably the glass not half full, get a smaller glass. Uh, and things like, like what are that. some of the,
0: what's the one thing, one life lesson you've learned or learned
1: at the moment? It's this thing about, uh, passion. I call these things unique passions. And I just came across a book a day or two ago called The Passion Paradox. And I'm trying to read it on Kindle. Uh, And passion, I guess, years ago had kind of a dirty meaning or sexual meaning or something passionate, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now everybody likes people that are passionate about their job. But a lot of that passion is phoniness. They Mm -hmm. tell their boss I'm passionate about it, but they just do it because they paycheck. But there's something they call harmonious passion in this book. Passion that you're really interested in the craft you're doing. Like I mentioned, Steve Wheeler with his milk bottles. Mm-hmm. I just love glass. He kind of hugs the bottle. And uh, and Neil Brittlebeck, you know, carries another brick back to lay down. There's it just, just so much history behind these bricks. Uh, or... Uh, I, I didn't mention, I didn't finish about the lawnmower guy. I said, well, once a week my wife and I walk down to the local library. She knows how to turn on the computer. She turns it on, we go on eBay, and she shows me how to look for lawnmowers. And I still get a tingle every time I find another one I want to buy. <laughs> you know? I mean, they're really... And so the thing about Harmonious Passion, I think, is really being interested in the, pro- in the craft itself, doing what you're doing. Not the reward at the end, not what other... One thing I... Well, what I've noticed about the 60 or 80 people, men and a few women, I've interviewed and filmed, they all seem pretty squared away, happy. You know, we've had a couple of parties. A, a a a reporter columnist from the London Times, he did a column about me a couple of years earlier, and I invited him to the party. He came. Uh, I, a short little guy, I'd never met him before. And he... Uh, he wasn't there too long. Sent me an email the next day. He said, you know, that was amazing. On the way in on the train, I said, this is really going to be dull. What am I doing here? Right? Most book launches are dull. And a book about the dull men's club has really got to be dull. <laughs> but that was nowhere really good. That was the most interesting place I'd ever been. Now, we had an earlier party a year earlier with the first calendar. The traffic cone guy was there. We did it in Birmingham. Thought London would be too exciting. We thought Birmingham up on top of the beautiful view of Birmingham, which is a joke, would be su- suitable. And it was, it was a small group. Uh, we thought the reporters would come, but it was a weekend and the lazy pastors didn't. You could see BBC's office out the window down down by the canal. But they didn't come because there's a car crash out on the motorway, M6, so they had to
0: cover. If it bleeds, it leads, right? Huh? If it bleeds, it leads.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The only reporter that showed up was a lady from Der Spiegel in Germany, and she was delightful. She had a Dolman's Club hat on, jeans, a Canadian plaid shirt, and she really interviewed, people just loved her. She really intensely interviewed everybody. She, she interviewed the Taferkund guy for 45 minutes, I think. But uh, people, they they all got all s- separate interests. But when they get together, the common thing they have is their quirky interests. Mm. They they just stood and ate. They didn't even sit down to eat. Uh, And the party, and then we had a party. Stanford's, you know Stanford's bookstore in London? No. The world's greatest map and travel bookstore? We were their best-selling calendar that year, 2015. And the manager loved it. A German TV, he's on a German TV program with me about it. They let us have a party down in their basement. In a, they had a room with all kinds of stunning antique globes. Mm-hmm. They kind of clear some of the stuff out. And we had a party there, about a hundred people. That's what, the one that the London Times columnist came to. That was a very loud, noisy party. Mm-hmm. These guys enjoy getting together. So we should, we're gonna to try to get more parties going. So what's next for you? Well, uh, I'm gonna, uh, we're trying to get a film going. I'm gonna do this book proposal. I'm going to try to monetize, get some ads going on the website. You get a little revenue coming in. We're pretty active on Facebook now. I I think Instagram we've got to gear up on.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of the social platform you want to be on now.
1: I think I've got a lot of content that's very yeah, Instagram. I, I went to something out in San Diego called the social marketing, media marketing mm-hmm.
0: world. Have you heard of mm-hmm. it? Yep. 6,000 people. I'm, so you're looking at getting a book written, getting another movie made. Going to make another calendar?
1: Yeah, calendar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is, is that, that going to be in America? Be... Yeah, I'll get the... Uh, there's the washing machine guy. There's a guy in... I had lunch with him and photographed and interviewed him. I don't know if she has a job because it's been a couple of years ago. My London agent hasn't been able to find a similar book deal in America. And I know somebody can maybe get me an agent in New York. I don't no, I hate to fire the London agent. I hope maybe I can keep him and get somebody. Anyway, mm-hmm. this guy is called the nation's timekeeper. Maybe you've seen the the film may have been, you maybe saw the film. A, fil- a lady in New York did a film about him. He He's in charge of the clocks at the Naval Observatory. About, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a guy with air sickness bags in Boston I want to interview <laughs> There's a he collects junior... bags from
0: airplanes. And... Yeah,
1: six thousand of them. <laughs> oh
0: my goodness! And
1: he's he's he, he's, he's They're about there. Are many several hundred people who do it. He's got a list of all the. I other hope he collectors. doesn't have
0: used bags.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had lunch with a guy in Boulder that collects them, and he told me about the guy in Boston. I've talked to the guy in Boston. He, he could. He was out of town when the party was held up there with the Pembert group. Uh, who else do I have? There's a vacuum cleaner. The Vacuum cleaner award-winning guy in London, in England, in Derbyshire, lost it to a guy in Kansas, <sighs> which is right next. I'm gonna, I'll get him. I'll get the gas pump guy in New Mexico, the barbark collector. You know what there is in Nebraska? There's Carhenge. Yeah, yeah. I'm in touch with them. Okay. Uh, there's a marble collector in Lexington, Nebraska, but I, it's kind of crappy, dusty. Too, so these
0: are all people that are potentially going to be in your new calendar? Or books yeah. Or, I don't know whether it needs to be arranged just
1: person by person. It could be mm-hmm. like airbags. I could just have air sickness bags as a topic mm-hmm. and a couple of the guys in mm-hmm. there. Uh, but I got to get cracking on that. Quickly. So is this
0: what this is what you do now, right? What? This is what you do.
1: Well, I'm retired, so I don't Right. Busier than ever, though, doing this.
0: <laughs> so when... so So big question. When it comes to when the movie about your life is made, what's going to be the title?
1: No matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Oh, what shit. do you want people to remember about you 30 years from now?
1: Well, he wasn't the asshole a lot of people said he was. No, <laughs> that, uh, I, I don't know. I had not even thought of that. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah, they've they'll probably forgotten by then, wouldn't they?
0: Well, your dull men's Club probably gonna be around, right?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> you gonna you're gonna uh, gonna you knight someone else to take it over? Yeah. You're the what, the vice president of it?
1: I don't know. Well you'd be a deputy assistant vice president. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I you're don't. the I'm, assistant uh, vice president. I'm trying president. to think of who that would be, uh, if I do come down with a stroke or something, who would I turn it over to? Uh you know, it is kind of you got almost got to run something like, almost like a benevolent dictatorship. Because the minute you get into a group of people, you got committees, you got mm-hmm. budgets and arguments. Mm-hmm. Even the f- first calendar, we we had four partners: Andy and his buddy, the filmmakers, and the Brownwell guy, and me. They ended up being creative differences, mm-hmm. which is tricky.
0: Well, Leland Lee, you go by Leland or Lee?
1: Either one or Grover. Or Grover. Grover Quick.
0: Well, thank you so much for.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize. I thought I thought you're just. I said, "Gee, when are you gonna start recording?"
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been it's, the record button's been rolling. So, uh, so Leland, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really enjoyed having our conversation to learn more about the Dull Men's Club. All right. Where can people get in touch with you? Maybe. The website dullmen'sclub.com. Yeah,
1: uh, con- yeah. Go to the website dullmen'sclub.com, mm-hmm. and uh, and dullman.com dullmansclub.com and there's a contact us contact us at dullmansclub.com
0: okay we'll
1: we'd love and, to hear from
0: people and I'll put a link in the show notes below in, right the, in the right, podcast right so thanks for being on the show oh huh, we're all <laughs> that's funny The wonder I so relaxed and informal <laughs> that's the way I like it Thanks, Leland, for spending time with me on the program today. I look forward to getting your new calendar and book that features the dull men of the United States. Hey, if you enjoy these podcasts, be sure to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, and then share it with your network. I love to hear from you what you like, what you don't like. And if I deserve it, leave me a five-star review while you're there. Next time on the My Story Podcast, I'll have my good friend Richard Pollock. Richard is an award-winning journalist. He's a former senior producer for Good Morning America and the Fox News Channel. I think you'll enjoy hearing his perspective on the news and on what's going on in our culture and in politics. And you'll hear his prediction on who's going to win the 2020 election. That's next time on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast is produced by Conjo Studios, an award-winning video production company whose focus is helping you tell your story. Visit ConjoStudios.com, click on the blue Get a Quote button, and let them know what you need. Then watch your stress melt away as their team does the magic of producing your next video, film, or podcast project. That's ConjoStudios.com, telling stories that matter. Hey, if you enjoy the music on today's show, it's from my friend Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music on iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. And last, if you have an idea for an interview you'd like to hear, send me a message and I'll see what I can do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on the My Story Podcast.